Good morning, everyone from sunny Texas. Today is going to be 85. I think it is today. And uh, we don't have to wear masks. I, you know, I feel, feel a little free. I feel free for the first time in over a year and a half. And, uh, you know, it's really, really different. So uh, I, I know that Canada is a little bit different than, than us right now. And unfortunately, you guys are still in your homes and things like that. And uh, I pray that God gives you great grace. Uh, we all needed it during this last year and a half, approximately. And um, we've all experienced God in new ways. I'll tell you that. We've all experienced our family and our wives and husbands in new ways, too, I'm sure. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, husbands and wives. And uh, you either love each other more or you bought weapons. I don't know, but I, I hope you didn't purchase weapons. Um, but I, you know, I just pray that uh, as we uh, go forward, that God continues to give us uh, amazing ideas and strategies of how to do church, how to do life together uh, in the body of Christ. And so this morning, I just want to welcome all of you. Uh, some of you uh, participated in the in the course on Friday and Saturday, and I, I pray that God has really uh, blessed you and that uh, we've already begun to see some uh, amazing testimonies come out. Please, if, if things are happening in your physical body or people you've been praying for, the church wants to know about it. I want to know about it because this brings glory to God, and it encourages all of us to continue believing and continue uh, pushing forward into the things of God. So <clears throat> this morning, I know that I know that all of you missed my corny joke, so I have one for you this morning, and that is, uh, when was Adam created? Um, what time of day was it? Uh, it was a little bit before Eve. Anyway, so let's go on and uh, let's get a little more serious. Um, you know, this morning, uh, I just want to say again, thank you to uh, Pastor Rich, Pastor John, their wives, the leadership team for allowing me to be a part of what Five Stones is doing, to be a part of a training process in the area of healing. And um, it is exciting for me, and it's a great privilege. I really, really appreciate their relationship and the friendship that we have. So, uh, you know, we're praying for you guys. Please pray for us as well. So, amen. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a man that you're probably familiar with, this guy named Bartimaeus. And uh, the, the title of our message today is Desperate. Desperate. And, um, you know, this story, uh, like I said, it's, it's a fairly familiar story in the Gospels, and maybe you've heard messages about it and, uh, before, but I feel like the Lord really wants to emphasize something to all of us today. And so I pray that as we go through this, that there might be things that you say, you know, amen to, because you really agree with it. There might be other times where you're going to say, oh my, because, you know, God's really touching something in your heart uh, as, as we go through this. And so, the, the, the term uh, desperate is what we're going to be talking about this morning. So let's start the story here in Mark chapter 10 and in verse 46. We're going to set the context of our story. So it says here, then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, he was born blind from birth, was sitting beside the road. So here is our, our context. We have the, the players in the scene. We have the, the, the roles that have been laid out. We have Jesus and his men. We have a big crowd of people. And then along the way, there is this, this other line of people that are sitting beside the road. Bartimaeus wasn't by himself, 
which we'll learn later, he was uh, with a group of probably other beggars that they'd been there, you know, many days, many, many hours together. So they know each other. And so we have the story here of Jesus, the Messiah, the one that people have been hearing about. And Jesus has been doing these incredible miracles. And, and the, the word of mouth has been being spread around. And you know that we, we enjoy Twitter and we enjoy Instagram. We enjoy the social media. We enjoy the Internet. And that's all wonderful. But, you know, the greatest marketing scheme, the greatest marketing strategy is word of mouth. When we tell others about what Jesus is doing, now there is a validity to it. Because, boy, I tell you, there's some things you read on Facebook or you see online is like, I don't know if I believe that or not. And people read things and now it's very skeptical of, of this true. Is this not true? Is this photo real? Has it been photoshopped 27 times? You, you, you don't know anymore what's real, what's not. So word of mouth is one of the most powerful things that, that we uh, as believers can still do today. Your family needs to know what's going on. Your family needs to know what God's doing in your life. And you are that marketing strategy. We are the billboards of God, and, and as people read us, they get to know who God is. So I want to encourage you to that. Anyway, these guys are sitting together along the road, and Jesus just happens to be walking down that road. You know, it's interesting here. It says that he's blind Bartimaeus. I don't know about you, but here we, <laughs> uh, when we've heard messages, I always thought blind was his first name, and Bartimaeus was his last name. <laughs> But you understand, he was, he was identified by his condition. Literally, we know him by, oh, yeah, blind Bartimaeus. I know that story. But really, blind is not his first name. Bartimaeus is his first name. Uh, but he's identified in all of our lives and, and scriptures, most of the time by blind Bartimaeus, where he is known by his condition. He is known by his condition. Now, I don't want you to, you know, elbow the person you're seated, seated next to, but what is the person next to you known for? Now, don't say it out loud because we don't, oh, well, thank God your, your mics are muted right now, so we don't want to hear that. But, you know, what are they known for? You know, is Sister, Sister Marie at church, wow, careful with her, she has a short temper. It, is she known for her short temper? Is she... <laughs> You know, if she's the one that's super hard to get along with, or if she's the one that is so per per perfectionist that all the time you have to be uh, walking on pins and needles and walking on these eggshells around her because you never know if she's just going to blow up. Is she known for her condition? I hope not. But here, this man, we know him as blind Bartimaeus, and he was known for his condition. And there's some other telltale things about Bartimaeus. We'll see in a little bit. But it's interesting that here's this, this, this scenario. The scenario is here's a man, it says, that was born blind from birth. So he's never seen. It's not that he lost his sight one day. He's never seen. From birth, he has not seen the sky, the sun, the light, any of this stuff. And he's only heard about it. Other people have described it. He's used his hands to touch and to, to feel what things and objects are like. He's heard others describe, you know, the scenery around them, but he's never personally seen. And there is something inside of him that says, wait a minute. I have heard something about Jesus. I have heard something that, wow, this guy can do anything. And now he's walking down my street. That's why I say it's so important for us to speak out what God is doing in our lives. 
because there are lots of Bartimaeus around us. There are lots of people around us that are curious about God. They've heard things here and there, but maybe they've never actually met someone that actually knows God. And you're that person. Here is a, a great, great message in the midst of this message of the power of speaking about what God has do, is doing or has done in our lives because there are many Bartimaeus around us every day. All right, so here we see where this man's condition has become his identity. Is this man's condition has become his identity. Do you know that this is one of the uh, tragic things we're seeing today in our world that as adults, because of what happened to them in the past, they have been defined by tragedy, trauma, pain, terrible things, injustices that they went through in the past is still defining them today. And their condition has become their identity. Sometimes we call them, oh, they're victims. Or maybe you even heard somebody next to you say, oh, I, I'm a victim. I was a victim back in, in, the, in, in 1984. And, and, but you still are saying that you're a victim. In other words, condition has become identity. This is not what God, how God wants us to live. He wants to free us from our condition so we can walk into our true identity as sons and daughters of God. It's interesting in verse 47, let's continue our story. Verse 47, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Here we see the reality that there is a Bartimaeus. He has a real need. And uh, maybe, maybe Jesus and his men have walked this way before. Maybe they have been in the city where Bartimaeus was a part of before. But Bartimaeus apparently was never near them. But here we see that on this day, at this moment, something in Bartimaeus said, I don't want to be this way anymore. I don't want to be this way anymore. I don't want this condition in my life anymore. I don't want to have this identity over me anymore. I don't want this handicap in my life anymore. I don't want this anymore in my life. And something rose up in Bartimaeus. Now, we don't know much more about him other than he was this blind guy and he was by the road and he would beg and he has been blind since birth. We don't know if his, this was going outside of his personality. Maybe he was a kind of a quiet person, but something inside of him this day spoke out and said, I'm tired of my condition. I don't want to be like this anymore. And he began to cry out to Jesus. He recognized Jesus is coming my way. I've heard things about him. And I know this guy, he can do anything. I've heard about paralyzed people walking. I've heard about lepers being cleansed. I heard about other blind people being healed. And so something inside of Bartimaeus finally said, enough is enough. I don't want to be like this anymore. And this is my opportunity to connect with this guy that I've heard so much about. And something inside rose up in him. And this is where we get the term for our, our message today, desperation. 
desperation. Do you know that desperation brings us to new encounters with God? Desperation can bring you and I into a new relationship with God, a new understanding of God, a new uh, interaction with him, and we know him in a new way because of desperation. I tell you, desperation can be focused on other things. Desperate people do desperate things. And I know that in our world today and, and here in the United States, suicide has gone up, divorce has gone up, uh, problems, uh, uh, incest and different things have gone up because of the, the pandemic and being isolated in the home and, and desperate people do desperate things. And so it's not that everyone focuses their desperation on good things. Sometimes they focus it on bad things and their, their condition gets worse because of it. But here is a man that said, listen, I'm tired of this. I, I am desperate for a change. And this is the man that can change something for positive. And he begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know we're all going to face mountains? If you've been a Christian at any, any length of time so far, you realize there's mountains that rise against you. Resistance rise against you. Sometimes people come against you. There's an enemy that comes against us. Mountains rise up. There's problems that we're going to face. There are going to be valleys that we walk through. There's going to be moments where things look very dark and the reports that we have are very serious and very scary. Can I say today, mountains and valleys are not in our lives to crush us or to kill us. They're there to help us know God in a new way. Because one of the greatest promises in Psalm chapter 23 is, even though you walk through a valley, there's a shadow of death in the valley. I am with you. Fear no evil. You understand that in the midst of a valley or facing a mountain, we can feel like, wow, this mountain is going to crush me. I'm going to die in the valley. <laughs> the shadow of death is not a shadow. Death is here, and he's ready to take me home. I mean, there, you understand, there are moments where we feel so so afraid or we feel so overwhelmed that we're going to be crushed by this thing. Understand something. This is an opportunity for you and I to know God in a new way. Maybe a, a facet of God we have never seen, we've never experienced. Maybe we've heard other people talk about it, but we've never experienced it. This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. We don't let mountains and valleys destroy us, but we allow them to, to, to as we walk through them, to know God in a new way, trust him in a different level. And I pray that in the midst of everything you're going through in your life, that this is an opportunity the pandemic, the isolation, the lockdowns, the, the, the masks and the vaccines and everything else that's going on in our world, the jobs insecurity, financial, some financial crisis, all of the things that are happening in our world, we need to understand, listen, this is not an opportunity to run and hide or, or to bury our head in the sand or to run away in fear and, and become more isolated and use this desperate moment to, to focus on desperate things or worse things. But it's a moment where we can Turn to God in a new way. And this is, I believe, is what happened in, in Bartimaeus. He said, listen, this is my opportunity. If anyone's going to change my condition, it's not me, not my doctors, not my family. It's this man. You understand, desperation many times leads us to the final option, which is God. 
we've exhausted all of the other options. We can't, we can't fix anything. And that's most of the time when people turn to God, finally, he's the last option. And, oh, maybe I should pray. <laughs> or maybe I should call somebody, have them pray for me. Or, or maybe I should go to church. Or maybe that's the moment. You know, you know what I'm talking about. We hear so many testimonies that at the darkest moment of someone's life, is when they finally say, oh, maybe I should pray. Maybe I should call out to God. It's, it's interesting. Even some of the atheists, the most profound atheists, in the moment of tragedy, accidents, <laughs> desperation, what do they do? Oh, God, please. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought you don't even believe in God. It's interesting that in the most desperate, lowest moments is when most people finally turn to God. We've exhausted all the other things. Let the mountain moment, let the valley moment be a moment today where you say, I've had enough. I've tried everything else. I've tried all the other options. I've tried, you know, substances. I've tried uh, sex. I've tried uh, all of these other kinds of things to, to help me fix my situation. I, I've tried, you know, uh, all, all the different avenues, and none of it can help me change this condition. Let it be God this morning. You know, part of desperation, it really challenges us in something. So this, is, this might be the moment where, you know, you might say, oh, my, instead of amen. But, uh, you know, desperation, we really start to do a little bit of self-examination. We need to realize if I really want change, I can't have any more excuses. I have to stop blaming others for my condition. And sometimes I have to stop justifying my condition. You understand, um, he who justifies never changes. Oh, but you don't know, Greg, what happened to me and what they did to me and the things that happened in my past. And, and I was the victim. And yeah, I, I get it. I understand that, but you are still connected to those people, and those people are still having power over you, and because of that, you are justifying where you're at today that you can't get past today because of what happened to you. I got good news for you. The man walking by you today can fix it in a second. His name is Jesus Christ. He can change that condition in a moment. He can heal that heart in a second. He can release you from the torment of your past in a second, in a moment, because he's walking by you today. You say, well, I don't see him in my room right now or my living room. He's there. Trust me. God is there right now in your, in that place. And he wants to touch you and he wants to heal you and he wants to release you from that condition. But I tell you, we have to take ownership of our condition and say, listen, this is where I'm at. I'm honest. This is where I'm at, but I don't want to be here anymore. I'm going to stop blaming others that I'm this way today. I'm going to stop justifying my actions and my decisions. Well, because they didn't do this or my wife didn't do this. So that means it's okay for me to act this way or make these wrong choices. No, it's not. There is no justification for wrong behavior. It's just not there. And so when I say I am desperate for change, many people say, well, Greg, just help me feel better for a few moments. Well, that's not change then. 
Just pray for me. Sometimes people feel maybe a little bit guilty, convicted at church. And so they'll come forward and we lay hands on them and they feel a little bit relief for a few days, but they really have not had transformation yet because next week, next Tuesday, two weeks later, they're back into the same, same routine, same ruts. Well, that's not change. When God changes a man or a woman, it is permanent change. There is a transformation that God does in our hearts. And I realize sometimes there's a process, but boy, when we are really desperate, when we stop making excuses or blaming someone else for my condition, stop justifying my decisions or why, why I am this way because of, and you fill in the blank, desperation takes us beyond that, where it says, listen, I'm willing to do anything to change. Do you know God can save any marriage? You think, well, boy, but Greg, you don't know what's going on in my marriage. It doesn't, we don't have much hope. God can change anything in our marriages, in any relationship, in any uh, of our situations, if we are desperate. If we are saying, listen, I am willing to do whatever it takes to change. That's the place. And that's where I see this man, Bartimaeus, said, listen, enough is enough. Enough is enough. When we are tired of our condition, we are tired of our position, as his position was sitting beside a road as a grown man begging others for money, for food. Think about how this deteriorated him as a man, as his own personal pride. It couldn't work. I have to beg. How humiliating he must have felt. But here we see a man that said, I'm tired of my condition. I don't want to live this way anymore. This is my opportunity. This man can change everything today. Enough is enough. I really believe, and I prophesy over some of you right now, in your heart today, something is rising up and you're saying, enough is enough. Enough is enough. This is my moment. And I believe that today God wants to do something dramatic in your life, your marriage, your relationships, whatever area it is. But it's with me saying enough is enough. I'm going to stop blaming someone else for my condition. I'm going to stop, uh, you know, living in the past. I'm going to stop my excuses or my justifications and just take ownership. Listen, my life really stinks right now. I have a bad attitude. I have a terrible temper. I can't control my temper, but I'm tired of having this temper. That's where you come to. That's called desperation. And those are the, those are the type of prayers and cries that is, are so important. Let's look what happens here. Let's continue. Verse 48. The people around him, his buddies that he's been with so long, what do they do? Be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. Do you understand? There's, gonna, there's always going to be an excuse. There's always going to be a reason. There's always going to be logic for me to stay where I'm at. And I tell you, those voices are convincing sometimes. Greg, I'm really struggling. I'm having these really hard thoughts, and I'm, I'm having struggles with maybe pornography. I'm having struggles with different things. How could I ever call one of my spiritual leaders and tell them that what will they think of me what will they how will they respond to will they still love me will they forgive me will they chastise me what what will happen so 
reason now starts speaking to you and says, no, no, just stay where you're at. Stay in that condition. Don't rock the boat. Don't tell anybody. And it's part of what the world is suffering with today is the, the mental health that is in people today is really, really struggling. The emotional health of people today uh, being isolated and closed in with people 24 hours a day that they're not normally <laughs> connected with for 24 hours a day. And it's, it's taking a toll. It really is. But because of reason and listening to reason, I won't speak out. And so reason tells me, just like these guys told him, just stay where you're at. Don't bother God. Don't bother that spiritual leader. Don't call them. Don't, don't do that because they're, they're, so it's not going to work out for you. Do you know that's one of the most deadliest things when we start listening to those voices? Because those voices will never lead you to God. They will never lead you to transformation. They will never lead you to, to help. They will always try to keep you in your condition, in your position, and you will stay there and there will be no transformation. But I love what was going on in Bartimaeus. He didn't listen to the voices. Something in Bartimaeus kept crying out, no, I am going to touch this man. I'm going to get to this man. Verse 49. When Jesus heard him. Let's stop right there. When Jesus heard him, remember, Jesus is surrounded by a multitude of people. They're walking down a road. So there's obviously lots of noise, lots of conversation. I'm sure there's other people crying out to Jesus. Jesus, touch me. Jesus, pray for me. I'm sure that there was lots of other noise that, were, that was going on during this moment. But it's interesting. When Jesus heard him, <laughs> you see, there was something in the voice of Bartimaeus that caught God's attention. And it says here, when Jesus heard him, notice what it says in the, the verse, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. This is the few times we see God stop. You can study the scriptures and the different stories, but there's only been a few times when God stopped or Jesus physically stopped. This is one of them. I love this because here we see something that stopped God and got his attention. And I believe it was a man of desperation that was willing to do whatever it takes to connect with God. Jesus stops and says, please tell him to come here, which I think is one of the most funniest moments in Scripture. It doesn't say how, how far Jesus was from the man. He could have been 20 feet, could have been 10 feet, he could have been 50 feet. I don't know. <laughs> but Jesus said, hey, tell the blind man to come to me. I think that's funny because Jesus, hello, why don't you go to the blind man? Wouldn't that be easier? I mean, the blind man's got to kind of find his way how to get to you. I mean, for me, that's kind of funny how God does that. But it's interesting because I think it's, again, it's strategy. Verse 50 says this, Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. This is uh, verse 50. I want us to notice this because the coat during these times 
is very significant because there were different coats, different, excuse me, different colored coats for different physical conditions. Blind people had to wear a certain color coat that identified them to the community. Think about this. Bartimaeus is sitting as a beggar. That's his position. His condition is blindness. He's identified, has a coat on him that is a color that allows all of the community around him to identify from a distance, oh, a blind man is coming because I know the color of the coat. So for me, it's very significant what's happening here. It says Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. I love this because you understand that we are so comfortable in our conditions that has become normal for us, identity to us, and is just who I am. My problem, my problem in my life, my problems in my life is, is, is just who I am. It's, it's who I am. I, I was abused. I was mistreated. And that's just who I am. And we have put on these coats, these identities over our lives. And we, that's who we are. But I love what it's, what's happening here. Bartimaeus is so determined, so desperate. He says, listen, this coat is no longer going to identify me. I'm, I'm going to have something brand new today. And he peels off what identified him for all of his life. And now he goes, listen, we're going to go forward, and I'm going to go to Jesus. Doesn't say how he got to Jesus, if he crawled, if he walked, if he had a white cane and he was tapping his way. I don't know how he did it, but he came to Jesus. And then I think this is one of the second most funniest things in Scripture. It says, what do you want? Verse 51, what do you want, from, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked the blind man. <laughs> think about this again. Here's Jesus looking at a man. Uh, that most likely his eyes are white or he doesn't have pupils or it, it's obvious, Jesus, hello, hello, just look at my eyes here just for a moment. Why are you asking me this? I believe that this, again, is a very important thing for us. Many times people come up to me and say, hey, Greg, uh, pray for me. I'm going through a hard time. Okay. A hard time with your wife, a hard time with your children, a hard time at job, hard time with this, hard, what that's so generalized. But here, Jesus is forcing him to be specific. What do you want from me? Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? And Bartimaeus very clearly said, I want to see. And Jesus said, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see and follow Jesus down the road. It's amazing this 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 verse because it's so it so hits home with all of us and the different things we've gone through in our lives and and maybe even today where you're at today, what you're feeling today, where your conditions are today, you might identify with Bartimaeus, and you might say, "Listen, I, I need I need a change." I'm tired of this. I'm tired of what's going on in my heart, my life, my mind, my thinking. I'm just tired of it. And maybe you've even reached out to somebody and say, hey, hey, just pray for me. You know, I'm kind of going through something. And, and people do, and we pray for people like that.
But I tell you, there is, there is a unique principle that we find in the New Testament, and it's this. God gives grace to the humble. And when I have to tell somebody what's going on in my life or describe my condition to somebody, boy, that is really humbling. But, you know, that's when grace is poured out. You see, grace is not poured out on the pride. Grace is not poured out on, on generalization. Grace is poured out, it says, on the humble. Paul said it this way, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. So I'm going to boast about my weakness so that the power of God can come upon me. So grace and power are only released in my life through humility. And that's why Jesus is trying, is kind of forcing it. And it seems, it seems a little bit harsh, I think, for Jesus to ask somebody, what do you want when it's obvious? <laughs> I'm blind, Jesus, it's obvious. You don't see what I need? Come on. But he's forcing this man to be specific and to humble himself. And man, I tell you, sometimes for us men, it's, it's super hard. Not just for men, but, but primarily many times for men, it's hard for us to be that honest, that blunt with people. But I tell you, you want transformation in your life. Humble yourself. This is where I'm at. And I'm struggling. This is where I'm at. And I'm having a bad time. This is where I'm at. I, I just don't know what to do. I, I've tried this. That I, I just humble yourself. Grace is poured out. Mercy will be poured out. Power will be poured out. And transformation will come to your life. So I'd like to pray for us as we end this time together this morning. And I just want you to, you know, right where you're at. What is God saying to me? Not, 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 please don't do this. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hope my wife is listening to this message, boy, because she really needs this. I mean, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. What's God saying to you? What is he speaking over your heart right now? What are you tired of? What are you, what are you, what are you ready to say? Enough is enough in my life. I can't change my wife. I can't change my husband. That's, that's frivolous. I can't do that. I can only surrender myself. All of those other blind people, all of those other beggars were not transformed. You see, you can't control the decisions of other people around you. You can't transform their lives. The only one you can have control of is yourself. And you can say, enough is enough for me. God, you take care of them, but enough is enough for me. I'm not sitting here with these guys. I'm standing up. I'm going forward. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interact with the one that can change me in a moment. So right where you're at, I just want to invite you to bow your, uh, bow your head. Father, thank you so much for every person listening today. Thank you, Lord, that you know our lives inside and out. Father, we can fool people, but we can't fool you. We can cover things up so others can't see, but you see it all. And you really know what's going on internally. You really know what's going on in my mind, my emotions, my feelings. You know exactly my condition today. 
And I just pray, Father, for every person that's listening, watching. You're walking by them today. You're walking in that room today. You are very near to them. And you're listening. Your ears are attentive. And you're listening for a cry, that cry of desperation. Son of David, have mercy on me. What do you want? I want to be free from my past. I want to be free from these nightmares. I want to be free from the torment in my mind. I want to be free from the victim mentality. I want to be free from uh, this ailment or this physical uh, uh, disease or sickness. I, whatever it is, tell Jesus right now where you're at. What do you want? He's speaking to you. He's looking in your face and saying, son, daughter, what do you want from me? That's the moment. Jesus, I want this. I lay down my excuses. I lay down my justifications. I stop blaming other people. And I just say, Jesus, I want this. Jesus, we ask right now that you would touch us then. Just like you did blind Bartimaeus. Just like you spoke over him. We receive your healing. We receive your freedom. We receive your deliverance. We receive uh, the miracle. We receive the transformation that starts today, right now, today. Enough is enough today. I strip off. We throw off all of the coats that we've been carrying for all of our lives and the, that identified us to a wrong condition. Father, we let go of all that stuff and we put on a new coat, the coat of of family, the code of sonship, the code of righteousness. Father, we thank you so much that today is my day. I'm not going to sit along the road anymore. I'm not going to let life and opportunity pass me. I'm going to stand up. You can stay seated, but I'm going to stand up and I am going to receive from you today. So those of you that need healing, Jesus is looking at you in the eyes. What do you want from me? Rich, the whole thing about vertigo, I just speak over you today. All vertigo be yes. in the name yes. of Jesus. All of it go right now, out of your life and out of your body now in Jesus' name. Yes. I speak over tumors and cancers. I command them to go in Jesus' name. What do you want from Jesus? Just tell him, what do you I want this, Jesus. I'm tired of this. I don't want this temper and this anger that just explodes. And then I got to apologize to everybody else. There's someone here today that's really struggling with that. It's your day. It's your moment. You don't have to be a powder keg that everyone's afraid of. What is your thing that you want from him? Receive today. Receive today in the name of Jesus. If you're struggling in your marriage and there is conflict and, and no one knows about it and, and, and you're, you, it's just tension all day long, tension. Father, we thank you. Today is the day. What do you want from Jesus? Stop trying to change the other person. Say, Jesus, change me. You deal with them. Just change me. I take responsibility for me. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are the Savior. You are the Messiah. You are the Hebrew. 
and I recognize you as the only option for me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Pastor Rich or Pastor John. Thank you, Greg. That was a great message. Um, I just want to say that throughout the message, Greg was calling out words of knowledge. He wasn't just throwing out examples, which we normally do as preachers. Um, but if you had ears to hear, you could tell the spirit was mixing in the message with divine insight. And if you felt like your bell was being rung, like ding, that was the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And yeah, Greg was, you know, moving there prophetically at the end, but he was moving prophetically throughout the whole message. And if the Holy Spirit was customizing this desperation message for us as a congregation. So I really want you to receive that as life this morning, not just as a moment where, okay, that was really cool, but personalize it as much as you can. And that's why we come to church is not yes. just to hear a message and to feel good, but to receive transformation week by week. I just want to add there that in verse 50, um, one of the key things that Bartimaeus did was that he threw off his mantle. And that mantle represents the fear of man. That mantle represents my reputation. That mantle represents decorum, public opinion, political correctness. There's so many things that cover us that keep us under wraps. Yeah. And when we get so desperate, we finally say that emotional energy is accumulated on the inside so that we will take action and throw it off. Now, if you observe really clearly in verse 50, what happens, he actually starts moving towards Jesus, but he can't see him yet. He only has the voice of Jesus. So when we feel like we are desperate and we're moving towards God, it seems a little dark, like we can't see him clearly, but just move in his direction. And then he's going to come and make up the difference in terms of the distance. And um, just the last thing to know, because this is such a great message. This happened in Jericho. Jericho, as in the Old Testament where the walls came down. Yeah. And you need walls to come down. That which is separating you from the Lord, God wants to bring those walls down. So take to heart today um, what Greg was preaching, not only in message, but also those words of knowledge that might have just been like an arrow to your heart. Amen. So, yeah, thank you, Greg.